God. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, and we are going to continue our study. We are in the final week of the life of Christ as he has uh, entered into Jerusalem for the last time. And we're going to find, I think we found last week and we're going to find today, that things are starting to get a little bit heated. It's starting to get intense. Uh, he's got people that are after him. By the time the week's over, I think we're probably on Tuesday of the week right now. And in just a few days, he's going to be put on a cross and, and crucified. So things are starting to heat up. It's starting to get angry. The crowds, the Jewish religious leaders are starting to get, uh, I mean, they're, they're red-faced. They want, to, they want to put him on the cross. And the question that I'm asking today in this passage, and I think it's going to show us, is what made them so mad? What is it about Jesus that made them want to put him on a cross? And I think what made them so mad about Jesus is what makes the world mad about Jesus today. I almost titled this sermon, Why Do People Hate Jesus? Or what makes, what's the, the most hated thing about Jesus? And we're going to see that in this passage today. I think what happens here is one of the main reasons that they put him on the cross. It's one of the things that people hate the most about Jesus. And you say, what is it? You're going to have to tell us what it is. It is the supreme authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to explain to you what the authority of Christ is. And it's not just the authority, it's the supreme the authority of Jesus Christ. So that's the title of the sermon this morning, and I want you to see it. It's the absolute supreme authority of Jesus. So that's the title of the sermon, the absolute authority of Jesus. And there's a few passages in the Bible that when you read them, it makes you want to stand up and clap and cheer. And this is one of those passages. As I was sitting in my office this week and I read this and started studying about the authority of Christ, it made me want to push my chair back, stand up, and give him a round of applause. And I hope it will do the same for you today, that we are people who love the authority of Jesus, not people who hate the authority of Jesus. So let's stand together and let's look at the absolute authority of Jesus. Starting in verse 23 of Matthew 21, Let's read this together. Uh, starting in verse 23, it says, And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching, and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Whence was it? Whence was it? What was he saying? Where's it from? And here's their options. Was it from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not then believe him? But if he shall say of men, we fear the people. For all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and they said, Here's their big answer to his question. We cannot tell. We don't know. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. This is a passage showing us the absolute authority of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. I, I love all your word. Uh, all of it's good. All of it's beneficial. All, all of it is from you. All of it is what we need to hear. But God, every now and then we come to a passage that just stands out. And it's almost like a mountain peak that we come to that is just outstanding. And it makes us want to all stand up and cheer and say, yes, that's who Jesus is. That's who we worship. That's who we serve. And God, I think that's what this passage is for me today. And I, I hope it's that for everybody else. It'll make us all of us, uh, if not stand up and cheer, worship and say, yes, that's Christ. We love this about you. 
So teach this about your son. Show us his absolute authority. What the world hates, but we love. Teach us these things today. And may we all bow before his authority by the time this service is over. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. I want to give you the definition of the word authority. I don't want to just throw that out there and you guys don't, don't know, know what it means. Uh, this whole passage is about authority. You see there, as we've been reading it, four different times the word authority is mentioned. And it's a big word with a lot of force behind it. This isn't some small word. This word needs to be defined. This word needs to be explained. We need to know what he means when he's talking about authority. So this word authority means the right to do whatever you want to do. That's what it means. The right to do as you please. The the freedom to rule and to reign. The, The power to act in any way that you want to act. That's what it means to have authority. And we we see people with authority all around us. If you get yourself in trouble, you're going to call the authorities. And that's usually the the police who who don't have uh, absolute authority. They have authority over certain areas. If you're having having trouble in Big Stone Gap, you're going to call the Big Stone Gap police. You're not going to call the police from some other town. They only have authority or jurisdiction in a small area. So the police have authority. The mayor has authority over a, a certain town. The governor has authority not over every state, but over one state, the state of Virginia. And the president has authority not over every country, but authority over America. The right to rule. The right to do as you want to do. The power to act over a certain area. And it's all authority and the world is is limited. But Jesus, and I want you to see this. He's the only one. Nobody else has the authority like Jesus has authority. Jesus has all authority. He has unlimited authority over all things. In the organizational chart of the universe, Jesus is at the top and everybody else is underneath Him. Everybody else, everything else is underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. We all, everyone answers to The Lord Jesus Christ. He has absolute authority. You say, where where do you get that at? That everyone and everything is under His authority. Watch this. Jesus has authority, and we've seen this. I don't want to go back to Matthew 1, but I can if you want to. We worked our way through Matthew, and we found that Jesus has authority. I'm, I'm talking organizational chart. He has authority over demons. He can say the word, and He casts them out. He has authority over Satan. Satan is not equal with Jesus. He is not higher than Jesus. He's below Jesus. Satan is, is, is moving at the, the authority, underneath the authority of Jesus. In the temptation, Jesus showed his authority over Satan. He has authority over disease. I like that one. He can cure with just a word, with just a look, with just a thought. With just a point. He has authority over all disease. He has authority over death. We've seen that. Who else has authority over death? Doctors don't have that authority, but Jesus does. Where he can look at Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth, and there that dude comes walking out of the tomb. He has all authority. He has authority over the weather. If I had authority over the the weather, there wouldn't be no ice today. There wouldn't be no snow today. I would have got up this morning and said, spring. (laughs) You know, that's what we would have done. I would have walked out in shorts. I don't have that authority. The Weather Channel doesn't have that authority. The Weatherman on News Channel 5 doesn't have that authority. My weather app, they don't have any idea what's going to happen. He can step out in a storm and say, peace be still, and the storm says it stops completely. 
He has authority over the storms. I can give you more if you want it. Jesus has authority to save who He wants to save. He has authority to judge who He wants to judge. He has authority to, to forgive sin, to build His church. He has authority to answer prayer, to send the Spirit, to convert His enemies, to build His church. He has authority over every single person in this room. You are all, we are all, underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. The President of the United States is underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. The governor of Virginia is underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. Every one of us is underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus has absolute authority, and we love it. I stand up and cheer that he has that authority, but they hated it. He has absolute authority, and they absolutely hated his authority. And we see that. I mean, we're, let's just look at our passage. He comes in to the, to the temple on Palm Sunday, and he completely took the place over. I mean, he comes in like he owns the place. He comes in like it's his house. And, and he comes in and, and they had a, had a, had a system and order. They had a chief priest, a high priest, a priest underneath them and priests underneath that. And Jesus comes walking in and totally ignores their order and their organization. And he acts like he owns the temple. He acts like he has authority over the religion of the Jews. He comes in and he, he cleanses the temple. He knocks over their tables. He runs them all out. He sets up and starts teaching and doing miracles. He's sitting there like he owns the place. And boy, that fired them up. They didn't like that. They thought they were the authorities. He didn't ask our permission to turn over the tables. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't come and say, what do you all think? He didn't ask our opinion. He just took over. Who does he think he is? They're infuriated. They're, they're red-faced. They're appalled at, at Jesus' authority. How could he? So here in our passage today, they come to him and they attack him. And they're not just attacking him, they're attacking his authority. And they'll question him and say, who do you think you are doing what you're doing? And they ask him four questions, and we're going to look at one of them today. They're out to get him, and, and each one of these questions they're hoping will lead to his death. But the first one we're going to look at today is the question of his authority. And Jesus makes it clear to them, I think he makes it clear to us, he has absolute authority over all things. So let's look at this today, the absolute authority of Jesus. I want to, I want to break this down and into three, three headings, three points for us as we work our way through this, starting with number one, the attack on his authority. I want to show you the attack on his authority. And that's in verse 23. It says, Jesus comes in. You see that in verse 23? And when he was come into the temple. So this is three days in a row. He rode in on Sunday. He came in on Monday and cleaned the place out. And then here he is on Tuesday again. He comes walking back into the temple again. Into the center of religious life. He come knowing who was there and what was going on. And he gathered a crowd. I mean, he, he says he's teaching there. You, you see that? It says they came unto him as he was teaching. So he walks into this temple area and he sits down and he starts teaching. And, and, and crowds of people start gathering around him. I love, listen to this. Luke 19 says this. The people were very attentive to hear what he said. Which means they were hanging on every word that he said. So you can imagine that he walks into the temple again on Tuesday. He's been there on Sunday. He's been there on Monday. And this is the last week. And he shows up again on Tuesday. And he walks in and he starts to teach. And, and he's pulling the attention away from all the priests and all the scribes and all the, the Pharisees. They were over there listening to them. And Jesus comes in and all the crowd now has gathered around him. And they're hanging on every word that he said. 
Over there, they were just kind of, you know how some people are in churches, you know, just kind of not paying attention. You know, they weren't listening to those guys. But when they came to Jesus, they were all sitting on the edge of their seat. What's he going to say? They were listening. They were attentive. Luke also says that the content that he was preaching and that he was teaching was the gospel, the good news. He's sitting there. Maybe that's why they were listening so uh, attentively was because they were not telling them good news, but Jesus was giving them hope of forgiveness. He was telling them that they can be forgiven not just on one day of the year, but every day for the rest of their life. He was giving them the news they had never heard before. So he had a crowd of people gathering around him in the temple. And it shows us here, I want you to see this, that it took courage for Jesus to do this. He knew they hated him, and he came in anyway. He's not a coward. He's not backing off. He's not hiding. He's not in the shadows. He's not whispering. He's not murmuring. He's standing in the most public place, the most religious place, where they can see him and where they can hear him, and he doesn't back off. There's no way nobody could ever get Jesus to back off on the gospel. Silence me, put me in prison, kill me, but you cannot silence me. You cannot cancel Jesus. He shows up and he preaches the gospel and he doesn't care what everybody else thinks. And they come walking up to him. He's not scared. I love that about Jesus. It all make you stand up and cheer for Jesus right then and there. He's not scared. So here they come to confront him. Look what it says. And when he's come to the temple... They interrupt him. They come walking up to him and it's almost like, hate to interrupt you, but. And who is it? This is the big wigs. These are the authorities. The chief priests, the elders, the scribes, the officials, the guys who could had power over the temple. That they, if you've done something wrong, they could arrest you and put you to death. The authorities come walking up to Jesus. They've joined forces. They don't like each other, but they've joined forces because they hate Jesus so much. And they come walking up to Jesus, and they have a plan. Overnight, they've gotten together and figured out, let's figure out how we can get rid of Jesus. He's causing us all kinds of problems. He turned our tables over. We lost money. We lost all these things. And the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees all come together and and plan, put this together. Here's how we're going to get rid of Jesus. And the plan they come up with is we'll ask him some questions that he can't get out of. We'll ask him a question that's so hard that either way that he answers it, he gets himself in trouble. So again, I I want you to see this as we work through the passage this week and in the coming weeks. They've got four questions they're going to ask him. And every one of them is out to trap Jesus. Every one of them is out to get Jesus in trouble so that ultimately he ends up on the cross. And the first question that they ask, and what they're doing is trying to stop him and stand against him. So they walk up to him. These these powerful, authoritative men walk up to him and they ask, By what authority do you do these things? Question one. Question two, and who gave you this authority? They're questioning his authority, his right to do what he's doing, his freedom to stand there and teach. They're questioning his authority. Who told you you could do this? Who told you you could stand there? He, who told you? Who gave you that authority? Who allowed you? Who gave you that permission? I need your permission slip. Who told you that you could do this? You say, what did, they, what, what did he do that made him so mad? Well, he rode into to the temple on a, 
on a donkey and let every, everybody there worship him as the king? Who told you you could do that? Who, who gave you the authority to ride in here on that donkey and let everybody praise you and say, Hosanna to the son of David? Who told you you could do that? Then he came in and cleansed the temple. Who told you you could knock over my table? We didn't give you permission to do that. You don't have a right to do that. You can't do that. We're the authorities. We're above you. Who told you you could do that? Who do you think you are, Jesus? What gives you that right? They walk up to him and they think they're in charge. They think they're running the show. They think they call the shots. And Jesus thinks he does. So you've got a battle taking place. You got them who thinks they're in charge, and you got Jesus who knows he's in charge. So now these two forces are coming head to head. And the question is, who has authority over who? And again, this is just a trap. If Jesus says God gave me the authority, he's a, they're going to charge him with heresy and put him on the cross. If he says man gave him authority, then he has no authority at all. So they're going to kick him out. So those are sitting there thinking, yeah, we got him now. There's no way out of this one. Either answer he gives, he's in trouble. If he says God, it's trouble. If he says a man, it's trouble. Boy, is Jesus in trouble. They're smug. They're smiling. They're looking down on him. Let's see what you're going to say now, big boy. And we get this question. I want to apply it. I get this question. You get this question. We get the question of, who gave you the right to judge? Don't we? We look and say, this one's wrong. That one's wrong. This is a sin. That's a sin. This one's saved and going to heaven because he has faith in Jesus. This one's lost and going to hell because of other, uh, some other religion. And people look at you and they'll say, and they don't look at you. They don't do that face to face. They top at you now. <laughs> Nobody looks at you anymore. Nobody says it face to face anymore. So they get on their, their phones and they, they text you or, or they, they get on Facebook and they, they don't even post it to you. It's just, who, who gave them the right to judge me? Who, who said they could do that? And it's all questioning our authority. How can we say what we say with, with such authority? How can you dare say, I get this all the time, that homosexuality is a sin. Who gave you that right, preacher? They say it's okay. What authority do you have? What authority do you have to say that Jesus is the only way of salvation? How can you say that? How can you say that this religion isn't going to heaven and yours is? Who gave you that authority, preacher? And it's not just the preacher, it's Christians. We speak up today and we say, this is sin. Who, who, gave, who says you can say that? Who says? We get this all the time. I get this. I've gotten this off for a year now. Who gave you the authority to have church when the government says you can't have church? The government says you can't. Who gave you the authority to meet? Are you with me? We get this question all the time. Science didn't say you can meet. They're the authority. Are you with me? The politicians didn't say Hollywood didn't say that was a sin. Social media didn't say that was a sin. Popular culture didn't say that was a sin. What gives you the right to say it's a sin? And the answer is, we have a higher authority than every single one of them. That pop culture is not our authority. 
We don't go with what's popular. Do you understand that? We don't flow with the, the wind and, and the waves. We, we don't just, we don't, we don't go with what everybody else says. Get this, the politicians are not our authority. The government is not, we do su- submit to the government, but we have a higher authority than even the government and the President of the United States. Our authority goes higher than that. We don't submit to what Hollywood says. We don't submit to what social media says. We believe in the authority of the word of God. That is our authority. In this book, we believe God has spoken. And when God speaks, his authority is higher than anybody else. His authority is higher than the government, higher than the president, higher than Jack on Twitter and Zuckerberg on Facebook. His authority, and some people, oh, oh, no, no, their, their authority is higher than that. Big tech, big media, big government, big uh, uh, Eva, all that. We have a higher authority than every single one of them, and it is the Word of God. We believe it's inerrant, we believe it's sufficient, and we believe it has authority over all of us because it's the Word of God. Where it speaks, God speaks. I know I'm taking a little rabbit trail here. You guys can follow me if you want to. Or you can just turn me off for a few seconds. I'll get back on point. This is our authority. People will ask you where it comes from. And when we say, thus saith the word of God, that is our authority. It's absolute authority on every issue. And they're doing their best to attack our authority today. I'm preaching a little bit. They're doing their best to say that we have no authority, to take it away. And there are churches that are backing down and getting on their heels and say, oh, 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 okay, that's where they wanted Jesus, is it not? Back off. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have authority. You're right. I'm wrong. And they want you backing off. And it's turned Christianity today. Christianity without authority is not Christianity. A church without a Bible is not a church. It's a Christianity without the bite. <laughs> it's a Christianity without the punch. It's a gutless Christianity. And that's not the Christianity of the Bible. We have authority. And they'll continue to question it. They'll continue to look at us and will post to us. What gives you the right to say that? There'll be some of you maybe sitting here right now. What gives Josh the right to say that? I have no right to say anything. I I am no authority at all. And I only speak with authority when I speak the word of God. This book is our authority. So watch how Jesus responds. Point number two. The answer he gives to his authority. I showed you the attack on authority. And I, I like this. I like his answer. Look what he says. And Jesus answered. Verse 24. And he said unto them. So now all eyes are on him. They walk up and they interrupt. All eyes on them. They ask Jesus a question. All eyes on him. How is Jesus going to answer this question? And he answers this question with a question. And that never works for me. People ask me, Steph will ask me a question. I said, well, let me ask you a question. (laughs) And she said, no, that's not how it works. You answer my question first, and then I'll answer your question, and she probably won't. 
This is just the truth. But, you know, usually it doesn't work to answer a question with a question, but that's what Jesus does here. He answers the question with a question. Or he, they ask two, and he turns around and asks one. And he's not sidestepping. He's not dodging. He's not on his heels, caught off guard. He's in complete control. He knows what he's doing. He's not backing down. He's not surprised. He's not on the defensive. He, you will see it here. He's a hundred percent in control of the situation. He's running circles around these guys. They walked up like they were the big wigs and they put him in a corner and Jesus comes out. I'm not in your corner. I got a question for you guys. That's Jesus. I love that. And that shows me that there's never a circumstance in, in, in any part of our lives that Jesus isn't in complete control. I got a question for you guys. I think he, I think he even had a little oomph to it when he said that. Answer my question first. And now they're like, oh no. Get this, never challenge Jesus. Watch what happens. They're playing by his rules now. And he looks at them and he says, this is brilliant. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing. Which if you tell me, and likewise will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So you answer my question, and it'll answer your question. So here's the question. One question. This is the baptism of John. You guys heard of that? Yeah, well, you've heard of the baptism of John. Everybody knew about John the Baptist. Everybody got that. I mean, he's a famous guy. He's the last prophet of the Old Testament. He, you know, he, he dressed funny. He ate funny things. He got out and he baptized everybody. Ended up getting killed by Herod, having his head chopped off and put on a platter and presented. Everybody knows John the Baptist. They loved John the Baptist. They believed in, in John the Baptist. So he looks at him and says, you guys heard of John the Baptist? Yeah. Well, where did he come from? Where was his ministry from? And then he gives them multiple choice. Don't you love multiple choice? I mean, he's just open-ended. I don't like open-ended questions. You can put anything you want in that blank. Give me multiple choice. I like four choices. You know, three good ones and a, and a none of the above. But two is even better. you got a 50% chance of getting it right. So he gives them two. I mean, this is a, a, a question. This question is easy. Two options. Only two. Look what he says. The baptism of John. The ministry of John. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven? Or was it from men? Which means was it from God? Who's in heaven? Or was it from man? Was it a God thing? Or was it a man thing? Was he doing it by divine power? Or by his own power? You answer that. That's his question. That, that's, that's all that he's asking. And you look at it and say, that's a weird question to ask. What's he doing that for? What's that all about? Is he trying to confuse them? No. The answer is that John and Jesus were always connected. They had a, I would call it a cousin connection. Because they were cousins. And they were connected. John's whole ministry, I mean, when, when Jesus' mom was, was pregnant and, and John's mom was pregnant, they, they were there together. And then, and they, I mean, they, they, they were always connected, this, this ministry. John's whole ministry was never about John. It was always about Jesus. I mean, he, he, I mean, just think of some of the things that he said. His whole life was pointing not to himself, but at Jesus. He would say, I, there's one greater, one coming that is greater than me. And I'm only, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. And he's pointing it at Jesus. He pointed at Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Whole ministry about Jesus. 
He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the, come, he's the one come to, to save. Pointing at Jesus over and over and over. Baptizing. Jesus came to get baptized by John. And John said, oh no, I'm not worthy to baptize you. Over and over and over, he's pointing to Jesus. So, get this, whatever they say about John, they say about Jesus. Whatever they get that, whatever they say about John, it'll be said about Jesus. They're that connected. And that's the way, and I'm going to go back to my little chasing my rabbit trail here. Whatever you say about the Word of God is what you say about the Son of God. I've had people tell me, Speaking of sin issues, Josh, Jesus never said that. Jesus never said a thing about homosexuality. And I look at them and I say, is Jesus God? And if they say, yes, he is God, then I say every word in the Bible is his words. All of it is God's word. So everywhere it speaks, it's coming from his mouth. And if they say, he's not God, then why would you even listen to the red words? What you say about the living word is what you say about the written word. They are connected. And Jesus and John were connected. If John is from God, Jesus is from God. If John is from man, then Jesus is from man. So now Jesus has put them in a corner. He's backed them down. It's a brilliant answer. They are now on their heels, caught off guard, with no idea what to say. They came questioning Jesus, and now he's questioning them. Let me ask you this before we move on. Who's in control here? The authorities come to Jesus acting like they're the guys that's in control. You tell me who's in control. Who does it look like in control of this conversation? And we all see that it's, it's Jesus that's in control. He now has them on their heels. So let's look at the last point and, and we'll, we'll be done. We've seen the attack on his authority. We've seen the answer he gave to his authority. Now let me show you the avoidance of his authority. How they avoid it. How they get around it. Look what they say in verse 25. He asks the question and, and look what they do. Verse 25 and they reasoned with themselves. You know what this means? They reasoned with themselves. In my terminology, it would mean they huddled up. You got the scribes, you got the Pharisees, you got the, 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 the priests, and they all look at like looking around saying, How are we supposed to answer this? They know it's trouble. They know they can't answer it. So they call a huddle. All right, guys, and you can, in your mind, you can, and the crowds are still there looking around and watching, and Jesus is in full control of the whole situation, and now he's got them on their heels, so now they huddle up. Okay, guys, let's figure out what we can do here. What's our options? How are we gonna, how are we gonna answer this? What, what, what are we gonna do? We're in trouble here. Let's put on, let's, let's put our heads together. Maybe we can figure this out. You know, all their heads together might make one. Let's, let's put our heads together. And here's their options. Look, they even talk about it. How, how do we know what they talked about in that huddle? They weren't saying it out loud. They were whispering. Jesus knows all things. Look what they say. And they reasoned. They discussed it. What's our options? Saying, here's what they're saying. How do we know what they're saying? I, I find that fascinating. That Jesus is eavesdropping without eavesdropping. 
saying, if we shall say, here's option number one, if we shall say that John the Baptist is from heaven, from God, then Jesus, he will say unto us, then why did you not then believe him? You see, that's trouble. If we say he's from John or from God, then we're saying that everything he said was right. And everything he said was that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, come to take away the sins of the world, and we've been rejecting him. So if we say he's from God, what we're going to have to do is get off our high horse, bow our knees to the authority of Jesus, and do whatever he says. If we say John is from God, we're going to end up bowing our knee to Jesus. And we can't do that. That's option number one. They're whispering around saying, okay, if we say he's from God, we're going to have to bow the knee to Jesus. Okay, take that one off. What's your second option? Okay, here's the second option. Verse 26, but if we shall say it's of men, we fear the people. For everybody holds that John was a prophet. If we say man, then this whole crowd that's around, some of them baptized by John. Some of them think John is a hero. He's the last prophet of, of the Old Testament. They love John. And if we say he's from man and that his power was of his own and not of God, they're going to riot. They're going to kill us. We'll end up on a cross. So they're sitting there in the huddle. What are we going to do? Option A, no good. Option B, option A puts me bowing my knee to Jesus. Option B puts me dead. So which one am I going to do? What are we going to do, guys? What do y'all think? And it's exposing their hypocrisy. We talked about last week how hypocritical they were. They were not interested in the truth at all. They were interested in how it was going to make them look. They should have huddled up and said, look, let's figure out what the truth is. And we'll do that. And that's what we should be doing today in our culture. Gathering in our churches and saying, let's figure out what the truth is and we'll do that no matter what everybody else says about us. Not, let me figure out how I can save face. Let me figure out how I can not get canceled. Let me figure out how I can get the most likes on social media. Let me figure out how I can look the best to the world. And that's churches doing that today. Let's just figure out the best way we can do it without making anybody mad at us. We need to be more concerned about what's true than what's popular. We bow the knee to Jesus. They're hypocrites. Their minds are made up. They've already decided. So they break the huddle. <laughs> you know, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. We'll go with option C. <laughs> Ready, break. <laughs> and they all come out, you know, just walking back up to Jesus. You know, they've, they've got this figured out. You guys ready for this? I mean, you got the greatest minds in the religious center of religious uh, of the religious town. I mean, they, 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 uh, these guys are brilliant. These guys are the, the guys you go to and ask questions, and they are the answer people. I mean, they're the scribes. They sit and scribble about the Bible all the time. They have all the answers. They're the answer people. And they break the huddle, and they walk out, and here's their answer to the big question that Jesus asked. <laughs> Jesus says, okay, guys, what is it? We don't know. <laughs> That's their response. We don't know. 
The answer men gave an answer of, we don't know. And the church today is doing the same exact thing. Instead of taking a stand on what's true and what's right, we come out with some kind of gray area. We don't know. And the church today is refusing to take a stand on the authority of the word of God. I've told you the story. I don't want want to tell it again because you guys have heard it a thousand times. But I'm going to tell it again. Of one of the most famous preachers, Brandon knows where I'm going. I can already see him smiling over there. One of the famous, most famous preachers in America today. You turn on your TV this morning, and he was on there. I got in a car the other day, turned on the radio. It was a sermon by this guy. And they put him on Larry King Live. National TV. Larry King, a Jew. Atheist Jew, for that matter. Looked at this preacher, Smiley McSmileyson. That's not his real name, by the way. And asked him if Jesus was the only way. And he looked at him and said, if, if, What if you're a Jew like I am? Where will I go when I die? And he just died. Where did he go? I mean, he's asking, he's asking this preacher right on national TV, Where will I go? I mean, that Larry King needed to hear the truth. And in order to save face, this preacher got on national TV, and you know what his answer was? I don't know. Oh, I mean, it's the truth. You've seen it. I don't know. Well, then he said, well, what about the Muslims over in, in, in Africa? What if they die and they don't know Jesus? Where will they go? And he looked at him and he said, I don't know. Why would he do that? Because he's sitting there weighing his options. <laughs> if I say Jesus is the only way, I'm likely to lose viewers. And by losing viewers, I'm likely to lose money. And by losing money, I'm likely to lose a car. Am I losing a car? I mean, this is keep going. I'm not going to be able to go to the store and get what I want. If I say it's the only way, I lose. If I say he is the only way, or he's not the only way, I'm going to lose some of that religious people that follow me. Some of those people that just don't know better, and they'll sit and listen, and they'll send me checks. So either way, I'm in trouble. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say, I don't know. And he's like, yeah. yeah he just smiled while he said, I don't know. Wouldn't it have been nice to have somebody that knew on Larry King? Somebody would have looked at Larry King and said, Larry, Mr. King, if you die today and you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. He's the only way of salvation. If the Muslims over in the jungle somewhere or the desert somewhere doesn't believe in Jesus and they never hear about him, they're going to go to hell. I don't care what social media does. I don't care what money I lose. Jesus Christ is the only way. So look at the lamest of lame answers. It was their job to know. And they said, I don't know. It was cowardly. Unwilling to stand. Unwilling to tell the truth. 
one way or the other. But ultimately, it was a refusal to submit to his authority. And that's what it was. They're saying, we will not have this man over us. We'd rather say, I don't know, than bow the knee to this man. We refuse to submit to his authority. We will not do what he says. We will not follow him. So they say, I don't know. And honestly, not many people like Jesus telling them what to do. Psalm chapter 2 says that the nations rage against the authority of the Son of God. And we're living in a culture today that rages against anyone that speaks with authority. The nations hate it. The culture hates it. Social media hates it. Hollywood hates it. But get this. It's not just the nations that rage. There are people that sit in, sit in churches every single Sunday and they don't even like Jesus telling them what to do. They don't like Jesus saying, here's how you live. Here's how you ought to talk. Here's how you treat each other. So people in churches won't even submit to his authority. Most of the world hates Jesus is right to do whatever he pleases. But we at this church, and as true people of God, love his authority. So they say, we don't know. And watch how Jesus responds, and we'll close. Verse 27, they answered Jesus, we cannot tell, we don't know. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. He says, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to give you an answer to your question. You, you don't get it. He's exposed their hypocrisy. He's ripped their masks off. And now, he says, I'm not explaining anything to you. I'm not going to beg you. Jesus could have. I mean, could he have not have sitting right there, just like he had the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and explained all things to him to them and, and showed them everything in the Old Testament, how, how he was how it was all prophesied about him, and the whole Bible's about him, and their eyes were open and they were amazed at who Jesus was. He could have easily sit down and said, Okay, scribes, okay, Pharisees, okay, priests, come over here and sit down and, and let me explain this to you. Let, let me beg you to believe in me and to submit to my authority. But he didn't do that. He didn't bend over backwards for them. He knew in their heart that there was nothing he could say and nothing he could do to make them bow the knee to his authority. So you know what he does? Silent treatment. Nothing. I'm through with you. He'll go on in the next parable and say, we'll preach it next week, Lord willing. It'll be better off for the harlots and the publicans than it will be for you guys. Done. Over. For me, this is the most terrifying thing Jesus can ever do. Is that your heart becomes so hardened towards him and what he says and his authority that you refuse to listen, you refuse to bow the knee, that he's told you over and over and over and over, and you refuse to listen and you refuse to obey, and finally, just one day, he says, 
done. No more. It's the most terrifying place that anybody can ever be. And we never know when he's done. He doesn't say, like I do with my kids, I'll look at him and say, I'll give you one more chance. And then the next time I'll say, okay, one more chance. And then the next time, one more chance. <laughs> and then they, you know, they just keep on doing it because they know dad's just going to keep giving them one more chance, right? We just keep on doing it. Dad, dad is such a, a gracious dad. He just keeps giving chance after chance after chance. But what, when is it going to happen? And my kids need to know this. And I need to know this. Maybe. I don't know. When is the last chance? When, is, when does it come to the point where I say, okay, I'm done. PlayStation's coming out of your room. <laughs> no more. No more chances. When is it that God says no more? We know that. You could come in church today and it could be, all right, I heard it. I heard it last week too. I heard it the week before. God will give me one more chance. He'll give me one more chance to listen. I know He will. He's such a, a gracious God. I know He'll give me another chance. And you get up and you walk out. You don't know that today may be that day where He says silence. I no longer will deal with you. Like He did with the withered tree where He says you will bear no fruit no more. It's over for you. You don't know when that's going to happen. That's why in our heart as Christians, we obey immediately. We do what he says when he says it. Because even as Christians, it's not like he's done with us, but he can become silent to us. You understand that? There can come a point when we no longer, you can listen to a sermon, but you ain't hearing it. You can be in sin. You can be running from him. And you can hear the truth over and over and over. And it's like your ears are stopped up and you don't hear a word that's being said. You may hear the words, but you're not getting it. The last thing anybody ever wants, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, is silence from God. Are you with me on that? You say, Josh, what's the worst thing in the world? Silence from God. That I no longer hear from Him. And it's not that I hear some small voice in my head. It's that I hear the powerful Word of God. Speaking to my heart in the written word. And I read it and it doesn't make sense. And I hear it and I don't get it. That's the last place I want to be. They heard it. They're going to hear a parable in the, in, in the next few verses. But they don't get it. Their ears have become dull. Their hearts have become hardened. And they don't hear a word he's saying. It's the last place any of us want to, want to ever be. That's why they say... God shows you what to do in, in His Word, you do it. You don't wait. The last thing any of us want is silence from God. So let me close by asking you a question. You guys ready for the question? And I'm going to give you two options. Easy. Real easy question. So answer me this. You guys heard of the baptism of John? Yeah. Yeah, you better have, or your ears are really dull. So you've heard of the baptism of John. And we, we've, we've preached John the Baptist several times. I enjoy preaching John the Baptist. 
So you've heard of it. You know about his baptism ministry. You know about his sandals. You know about his clothes. You know about his weird eating habit of, of eating locusts and, and wild honey. You, you, you know about him. You know about him getting his head cut off. You know about the, the whole point of his ministry was to be a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was never to talk about me. Jesus was the groom and, and John the Baptist was the best man. And, and he was always pointing to Jesus. Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb. Look to Jesus. Repent for He's coming. It's all about Jesus. We've heard of that. So let me ask you this, and here's the question. Was John the Baptist, was his ministry, his work, his life from God or from man? You need to answer that. I want you to, you don't have to answer it out loud. Just in your mind say, was John the Baptist from God or was he from man? I mean, that's the question of his authority. So answer that question in your mind. And I'll give you the, a cheat sheet here. John 1.6 says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's... So if you said God, from God, you were right. I read that verse last night and I thought, <laughs> I mean, how much more obvious can it get? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So if you said he's from God, then Jesus has absolute authority. Over anything and everything and everyone. If you said God, He has authority over you. And that means He he has authority to tell us how to live. He has authority to tell us what's morally right and what's morally wrong. We answer to Him morally, how we live our lives day to day, how we live and breathe. Every day, how we talk, what we watch, everything is under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the authority to tell us what to believe. I like that one. Not only how to live, but what to believe. I don't just look... Most people, and I've got a couple minutes here. Most people, the authority in their life over what they believe is themselves. I've had more people than I can count come to me and say... Well, I, I believe. And I'll say, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really mean like this. I'm going to need a chapter and a verse on that. I'm going to need you to show me that in the Bible. And they'll say, well, I can't, it's not, it's, it's, uh, I don't have a verse. I, I don't know if it's in there, but that's what I believe. So who's your authority? Is it the, the word of God or is it you? If we said that it's from God, then Jesus has complete and total authority to define everything that we believe. And if you can't get it from the Bible, you shouldn't believe it. The Bible's our authority on everything that we believe. We believe that Jesus is the only way. We believe that no man gets to God but by Him. And we get that from John 14, 6. Chapter and verse. We believe... This is back to morally that homosexuality is sin. Romans chapter 1 calls it an utter perversion. That's the Bible. That's our authority. Well, Jesus didn't say that. That was Paul. (laughs) Is Jesus God? Yes. Every word in the Bible is His word. We believe because the Bible says so. Jesus has authority to tell us how to live. What to believe? 
Jesus has authority to tell us how to be saved. That it's not by your good works or your morals, but it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's it. Nobody else has the authority to tell you that. Only Jesus. So we choose either to submit to him, bow the knee to him, and say, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I'll believe whatever you want me to believe, and I'll follow you wherever you want me to follow you, because you have supreme authority over everything, and that includes me. Or you can resist his authority and say, I refuse to do what you tell me to do. I refuse to believe what you tell me to believe. I refuse to go the way you want me to go. So you either bow a knee or you throw up your fist. Which one is it? I I, want to close with this. You either bow the knee to his absolute authority or you throw up your fist to his absolute authority. And there is no gray area where you can say, I don't know. Because if you say, I don't know, to his absolute authority, you're throwing up your fist at his absolute authority. You either bow the knee or you throw up your fist. There's no other way around it. And trust me, you don't want to throw up a fist at the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 2 says that the nations will rage against him. And he will shatter them like a broken glass. You do not want to resist the Lord Jesus Christ. He has absolute authority. So I urge you today, Christians all around this room who have already submitted to his authority, to his lordship, that you would Recommit your life to that today because you're going to need to in the days ahead. You're going to have to know who your authority is. You're going to have to say, I, I, I don't bow to Caesar. I bow to Jesus. He is our authority. And in this church, and I want you to know this, Jesus is the authority of this church. Everything we do and every way we do it is under the authority of what the Word of God says. Are we perfect? Not by any stretch of the imagination, but we're doing everything we can as a church to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I urge all of us to do the same today. Because in the days ahead, you're going to have to figure out who it is you listen to, who it is you follow. And it better be the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never bowed the knee, let me tell you this, He is not a bad Lord. He is a wonderful Lord. And he would never ask you to do anything that harms you, go anywhere that hurts you. He wants to save you. So I urge you today to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow the knee. Ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you. And get this, he has authority to forgive every single sin you've ever committed. What authority? He did that earlier in Matthew. And they said, who gave you the authority to forgive sin? Nobody forgives sin but God. And Jesus said, I have that authority. I can cancel every one of your sins out. What authority? And if that doesn't make you want to stand up and cheer, I don't know what what does. The absolute authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we bow and submit to you that that you're our authority. And we, we love you. 
Thank you for being a great Savior. Thank you for being a great Lord. Uh, And God, we're doing our best to follow your word and to do what you would have us to do and to be what you'd have us to be. So God, me as a pastor, I stand up here today and, and resubmit ourselves underneath your authority. We, we gather here as a church today to, to submit to your authority. We gather as Christians today in our homes, as a father, as husband, saying we submit to the authority in our home. So God, we submit to you underneath your authority. And God, I pray if there's anyone in this room, and God, I'm not going to give an altar call, but I pray right now, if there's anyone in this room who has never submitted their lives under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they do it today before it's too late, before there's silence. You may give them a thousand more opportunities, but today may be the last one. And we don't know. So please, God, let them bow. Let them believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.